bro, I need you to help me to keep everybody awake. Would you do that for me? Every once in a while, go down the middle roll, cut a backflip, and everybody will know everybody's <laughs> I'm just kidding. So let me start with this question. Do we do church service to please God? Or are we doing church service to please ourselves? You know, when we go to church, do we assume that, you know, because we enjoyed it, God enjoyed it? Seriously, think about that. Do we assume that, you know, wow, that was awesome, I was touched, God must have been pleased with it? Right? Boy, you... All right, I'm going to tell you how this is going to (laughs) work. I'm going to go a little faster if you're involved, just a little bit. I'll go a little bit faster. Thank you. So, somebody's honest, she wants to get out of here quick. I I hear the stomach growling already. Now, think about it, though. Think about that. See, because if we're doing that, golly, there's a bunch of TV shows that I'm thinking that God must be sitting in there. He must be happy with because I get a kick out of some of these TV shows, some of these situation comedies and all that. And I get, man, if I'm enjoying it, I guess God's enjoying it. Right? I've, I've, you know, I've done some things in my life that I've enjoyed that I'm pretty sure that God had nothing to do with and wouldn't want anything to do with. So if we're judging, now just because we're born again Christians, you know, we think that because we're into something or we're into a church service or we've gone to a Christian concert or we've done this or we've participated in this kind of, that, you know, God is automatically pleased with it? Can't be so. You know how I know that? Somebody's got to take Catherine's place. How do I know that? Everybody. Thank you, Jesus. They really want to get out of here, Mike. Everybody's saying I'm smart. Y'all really want to get out of here. No, well, but think about that. How how would I know that? Because the Bible warns us so very clearly that in the last days, man, there's going to be a lot of teachings, there's going to be a lot of situations where we're going to get a charge out of it. It's going to tickle our ears. We're going to hear things we want to hear. But we can't trust ourselves. If we were good enough for ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Amen? Amen. So, let's, let's, with that in mind, let's push ahead forward. That's the question. I'm going to read out of Galatians 1, 6 through 10, and I'm not sure, I've only gave, given them a couple, so I'm not sure what you're going to have. You may want to take some notes. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong language, y'all. Let, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what, we, than what you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, here's the meat and potatoes. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. One of the first persons that I have to train myself not to please is Michelle. No. Me. 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 Right? You know, most of the things we do, whether we make sacrifice for somebody else, a lot of the things we do really boils back down to us too. Even in ministry, I mean, some of the things we say that we're doing for God, I mean, do we, are we really doing them for God or, or are we doing them to be noticed? Come on. Are we doing them because, you know, we want to be on the platform? Or, you know, I've got maybe this talent, or maybe I want to try this, or I want to do this. You know, I was raised up in a church that made you feel like if you weren't an elder, you weren't nothing. You know, that was the church that I was raised up in. If you're not doing this or you're not doing that, you're, you're basically, you're, you know, you're just another little brick in the wall that you have to be 
uh, up on the platform or you have to be doing something. You have to be doing some kind of work for God and a work that they deemed was a work, not necessarily just what the Scripture deemed. And I don't mean that to sound as harsh as it, it did, but I've got to tell you, you know, maybe in my infancy, let's, let's chalk it up to that. Maybe in my infancy, maybe that's the understanding that I was getting. But regardless, I think there are a lot of, or some churches like that, where you're made to feel like if you're not doing a certain thing, then you're not as close to God as some of those other people who are doing those things. Therefore, we step out and we start to do things that maybe really it's for the wrong reason. And it's not even something that we were called to do. So does that mean you should hesitate and not do stuff in the church? No, especially in this church, Come on, we need you. Amen? All right. But my brothers and sisters, but again, the, the first person I need to go ahead and get a... Say, it, it's me, even, even this, outside the church. Think about this. When we help things, or when we help people, or we do things for people, you know, a lot of times it's because we're expecting something in return. Or we just want the pat, pat on the back, or anything. And, and I've shared this with you before. I could prove that to you. I've proved it to you before. How many times have you done something for someone, they didn't acknowledge it, and you got a little upset because they didn't acknowledge that you did it? Right? They didn't react like you expected them to react. Therefore, that proves that you really didn't do it for them. You did it for you. At least a little bit. All right. Thank you, some of you, for being honest. So what does that have to do in church? See, if, our, if my mentality if, or if my being is that way, I'm more geared toward you know, pleasing myself, pleasing others around me, and I'm looking, I'm looking for those kind of actions and reactions. And you know, so I may go ahead and base my worship in church or the way we do church on those things. Again, you know, I look at the lack of, uh, of butts in the seats, forgive me, but I'm looking at that. And so, so me, I, I, I have these conversations with Michelle all the time and she wants to smack me once in a while. It, it's, okay, what, am I, what, what, should I, what should I be doing differently or what can we be doing differently? And the answer always is the same. You just preach the truth. Amen. You just keep preaching the truth. And, and I'm going to do that. But do you see what I'm saying, though? So from my perspective, or if you look, just look at it me, from me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not pleasing enough people. Come on now. Right? Okay, so it, 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 this way, that way, it, it just is. That's part of being a human. You're looking for some kind of result. You're looking for an action or reaction. So now, conversely, if you look at some, so many of these huge ministries... And what they're doing, and what they're doing. And, and, and there's a new church model. It's been popular now for a few years, and, and we see them popping up around us. And that model works. It's filling seats. It's filling churches. It's a, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it is. That model works. And they're filling some buildings. Even though Christianity is on the decline in this country, there are certain pockets and what ends up happening usually is they're stealing people from other churches is usually what happens. Not all the time, but they are, you know, church people are moving. They're going. And my brothers and sisters, again, I'm not trying to point a, a, a critical finger or anything like that, but I'm just saying because we've, we've become um, geared toward pleasing people, making something more palatable, making, you know, making it worth your while to show up. What's the point? The point is, in doing that, are we pleasing God? Should the church service be about 
pleasing us or pleasing God. I'm going to go back into Jeremiah and don't let the eyes roll back in your head. Nobody fall asleep. Just listen as best you can. Jeremiah chapter 7. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people. Oh, Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it. All of you who worship here, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. Okay, let me pause here. Okay, don't be fooled just because the people say this is the church or because you're part of this church, everything's cool. I'm going to translate this into Tony language or to modern day, what it means to us in case you haven't caught that by now. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here, but I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Did you hear that? You can go to church and you can chant and you can do everything that you want, but that ain't gonna, I'm only going to extend mercy to you if you stop your evilness. <laughs> only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, widows, only if you stop your murdering. Well, psh, I don't think we have any murderers in here. Wait a minute. Jesus raised the bar. If you get so much animosity towards somebody and it's right there and you're gritting your teeth at somebody. Whoever's had any kids, teenagers that is. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Addison, I'm just teasing. Now, anybody, do you understand? Jesus raised the bar. If you have that kind of animus in you, if you have that kind of feeling towards somebody and you, and you voice something and you, <clears throat> you've killed them because it's a condition of your heart. Not necessarily the physical act, but the condition of your heart. And if I, and if only, if, I'm sorry, and only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Do we have any idol worshipers in here? I didn't expect to see any hands go up. There's one. Hallelujah. What, you got a statue of me in your house? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. No. Do we have any idol worshipers in here? Okay, what is an idol? Now, let me ask you something. Is your job more important than God? then you're an idol worshiper. Is your spouse more important than God? Are your kids more important than God? Anything that you put before God is your idol. Is money more important than God? Now, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. You go ahead and you take it, you chew on it, and you see what happens. And you decide. You and God and the Holy Spirit inside you, if you're born again, and you decide what you've placed ahead of God. What's more important to you than God? Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I've got to work. Now I've got to, well, see, the reason why you put, here's what happened, really. This work, because you're, you put yourself in this position that you have to have the two cars, the 2.4 kids or 2.1 kids, you know, the bigger house, the, maybe the, the second house, the, you know, maybe this, or, you know, all of these things that you set yourself up with, these things that you think that you need to make you happy, or these things that, you know, put you in this category of this expectation of what your life should be here on earth. Because you've done that, you've got to be married to that job, because once that goes, it all goes. That's your idol. Because those things have become more important to you than your relationship with God. And I know this is the kind of preaching that fills churches. <laughs> Not, but see, but, but nevertheless, is it true? Yes, it's true. 
Yes, it's true. But see, that's the kind of, fina- the, the kind of fanatical preaching and teaching that people don't want to hear. And that's the kind of fanatical preaching or teaching or that's the kind of fanatical thought that keeps your family from coming and visiting you because you're a fanatic. They don't want to be around you. You make them feel uncomfortable. They want to separate from you. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. All right, so let's just go with that. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. Verse 8, don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. It's a lie. Do you really think you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, burn incense to Baal and all those other new gods of yours and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant we are safe only to do right back to those evil things again? Don't you yourselves admit that this temple which bears my name has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's, that's a pretty heavy indictment. And I know that's Old Testament, and we don't like that, you know, thank God for grace. But see, that's the thing, I think, this, the Word of God is forever. This, this Word stands even now. Yeah, but Tony, Old Testament, now we're living under grace. Yes, absolutely. So know what grace did? Grace said, okay, you can go ahead and treat the house of God like that, but it's okay. Wrong. That's not what grace did. Grace said this, I am now giving you the power to understand what my word says and the power now not to treat the house of God that way. That's the difference between old and new. That's the difference between grace and law. Here's the law. You're breaking it. You're paying the price. Here's grace. I'm giving you the power to understand what the law is trying to do on the inside of you and I'm giving you the power to go ahead and live what the law says in your heart. Hallelujah. That's an awesome thing. See, that's the advantage that we have as New Testament believers. It's not about a religion. It's not about an external law. This is awesome stuff. God has coupled with you. He's empowered you. He's come inside of you. He's alongside of you. He's yoked up with you. He's given you every advantage and He's given you His power to do what He's asked you to do. That's an awesome, awesome thing. God loves you that much. God loves you. God is not sitting there waiting for you to mess up so He can jerk the rug out from underneath you. God has not set up these rules and laws so that He could just have rule over you and just see how you do. And whoever makes it there, that's it. That's good. They're the ones. No, God wants every... For God so loved the world. God loves everyone. God gave everyone the opportunity. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now in verses 12 to 15, what God does is He reminds them of where the temple... Remember in uh, Joshua, I believe chapter 18, please forgive me if my memory is failing me, no, but it is in Joshua where they set up the original Ark of the Covenant in Shiloh. But remember, it didn't stay long because the children of Israel, they, they were messed up. And so the, the Philistines got the Ark of the Covenant. They re- remember? And it, okay, because of, of um, Eli... And his sons, they were evil, Psh, gone. So he, he reminds them of that. If you don't, listen, it's like this. Don't test me. If you don't believe me, remember what happened in Shiloh. Right? That's what he's saying. Remember what happened in Shiloh. Oh, 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 are you there? 16, verse 16. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Now this is God speaking to Jeremiah. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them and don't beg me to help them for I will not listen to you. 
Don't you see what they are doing throughout the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? No wonder I'm so angry. Watch how the children gather wood and the fathers build sacrifice, sacrificial fires. Listen to this. Okay, I am a, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. I've never uh, you know, gathered, had my children go out and, and gather wood so I can burn uh, sacrifices to uh, other gods or anything like that. So you think that this is just a literal... No, this is, this is showing us, this is uh, an example. As fathers, we may not do it that way, but we do it spiritually. How do we do that? Well, you know, we sit down and we enjoy some things that are secular that maybe aren't good instructionally for our children. Or we let our children see us do these things like be a, a workaholic or treat our wives not with respect. Or, we, we, let, we, allow, or we, we allow our children to see us breaking God's law, but at the same time go to church and tell them, hey, you, 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 you got to do the right thing and you got to do that. This is, speaks to that. I don't think... I Listen, does anybody... No, I'm not even going to say because I know you won't raise your hand. If you think that I'm taking great latitude, talk to me after service. But I think this speaks specifically to that. Specifically. I don't think I'm taking latitude here at all. Fathers, it's so important. You have to be a good example and you can't, you know, uh, let your kids join into something or have any part of something that's, that's not godly or it's totally secular because there's really, if it's secular... If it's secular, it's demonic. There you go. There's one of those fanatical things. That's why we can't get nobody in here, Tony. You say stuff like that. It's true because Jesus said there's only one of two ways you can go. With me or with him. All right? Okay. I'm glad I had one, but one person agree with me. See how the women knead dough and make cakes to offer the queen of heaven? That's the goddess and they pour out liquid offerings to their other idol gods? Am I the one that they are hurting? Asked the Lord. Most of all, they hurt themselves to their own shame. You see God, see, see how serious God is about this stuff? And he says to Jeremiah, don't pray for them anymore. Don't beg me. Don't. I'm so glad that God has mellowed out. Did, have you read Revelation? There's no mellowing. Thank God for grace, the age of grace. Thank God he's withheld. There's no mellowing out. In fact, in the letters, if you read the letters to the churches alone, in, beginning in chapter 2 of Revelation, one of the first churches is the church of Ephesus. And he tells the church of Ephesus, you better straighten out or I'm going I'm to remove your lampstand. You know what he's saying? You better straighten out or there's no more church for you. That's God. God says to many, he, he was very matter of fact with those churches. Repent or this, repent or else. To the churches. So the wrath of God is coming upon the earth. God hasn't mellowed, but he's given us every opportunity. Every opportunity to be coupled with him. To be his bride. To be part of his church. To build his church with him. He's building a church. Are you part of the building? Amen? Hallelujah. So, what, is a, what, what do we look like, typically? I mean, we pray. And, and, then, and then, I'm just going to go over this real quick. I, I'm going to try and go fast. Prayer. Prayer is, is a difficult thing. 
because a lot of times if we have a prayer service, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll throw things and I'll have a little bit of music playing sometimes. But sometimes in the silence, you know, people either get distracted or uncomfortable. But you know, um, prayer is, again, is one of the most important things we can do as a body of believers together. Prayer changes things. Prayer is, an, is, is it shows this attitude of submission to God to the extent that I'm going to now stop whatever it is that I was doing because this is so important for me to have communication with you. And it's a two-way communication. I'm going to sometimes be quiet and listen, but I want to also not... See, and this is the other thing. Sometimes when it's quiet, I don't know about you, you may uh, have a different attitude, but sometimes when it's too quiet, I mean, my mind travels and wanders. If it's, if it's noisy, I'm a little bit better. I, I mean, I, I got my way through high school and college that way where I had the music vibrate in the windows because if it was quiet, I could not concentrate. If the music is vibrating, even now I'm studying and the music is going, either I have the headphones on so Michelle doesn't... Ah! Or, you know, uh, it's vibrating the windows because when it's too quiet, I can't concentrate. I'm distracted in the quietness. My mind wanders. I don't know why that is. It just is. Maybe I'm retarded. I don't know. Oop, I said the R word. I'm sorry. Listen, maybe there's something wrong with me. How's that? Maybe maybe you're not that way. Maybe you need it totally quiet, totally silent, so that you can go ahead and and get one-on-one with the Lord. And that's a good thing. It's good for you. But however it is, my brothers and sisters, what I'm saying to you is sometimes when we do it as a body of believers together, you know, me and John, and you know, for a long time ago we called a, a church prayer. It was only me and John. Me and John were the ones that showed up. Sometimes it's it's uncomfortable. You know, in the silence, and that's mostly it. Or some people aren't um, comfortable praying out loud in front of people. That's okay. You don't there's nothing in the word that says, now, is there such a thing as praying out loud in the Bible? Yes, there is. Is there something where people did pray out loud publicly? Yes, there is. And we'll get to part of a little bit of that in a little while here. But, my brothers and sisters, just because you don't feel comfortable doing it doesn't mean that you're wrong or it's wrong or it's blah, blah, blah. So you pray silently under your breath when you're gathered with people. And you, join your, and you bind together your faith together. If I'm praying for something, as I'm leading in prayer, or if, if Mike or John or whoever, if you're leading in prayer, you, know, you may be under your breath thinking some things and maybe something God brings something to your mind, a person like I asked you to do before when we were praying. If God is bringing someone to your mind, to your remembrance, Man, pray. That's the time. We're all in this attitude of prayer together. And though you may not have said it out loud, we were there before the throne room of God in the name of Jesus making a prayer, a group. It was the atmosphere that was provided. It was the, it was the faith that was provided. It was the, and the faith was provided because there were a group of people. Maybe not everyone, but maybe there was a group of people in this room that knew that we were in the presence of God. We knew that God was hearing us. In, in our minds and in our hearts, we know that God is hearing us and that God will deliver. Amen. And so you're binding your faith with that faith. You're one of those in that room who absolutely believes that God is hearing and God will answer. One could put a thousand of flight to 10,000. Our power increases exponentially according to the Word of God. And I'm not going to argue with it because I kind of like it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's an awesome thing. So, the music, that's always another thing that gets people, you know? Music, music, you know, the music, all these big churches, if you get a praise band together, I mean, you're going to fill the church. Why? Because everybody feels good. It makes everybody feel, it's happy, it's good. And God, of course God loves that because I love it. Mm. Okay, so then let me ask you something. If that's your thing, 
And we came in and we played nothing but hymns here, the old-timey hymns. And you're a younger person, you ask the old people stuff. Does that mean God doesn't like that? Because you don't like it? Are you with me? You feeling me? See, just because it doesn't tickle your fancy, that doesn't mean that God isn't in that. God doesn't love that. God is not being blessed by it. And conversely, just because it does tickle your fancy doesn't mean that God is all enthused about it as well. Have we gotten there? Do you you understand that? Okay, but see, now that's the thing. If we could appeal to what the culture is, if we could appeal to people's likes and dislikes, then all of a sudden it must be God, you know, God is in the middle of this. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. God must be in the middle of this. Please, I turn the air conditioner up and I'll make the hair stand up on a lot of your necks, especially you people that can't stand the cold. How about this? I, I, I uh, was, me and Michelle were at a service one time and there's this um, evangelist, he was a guest speaker, and he was talking about, you know, how... Um, um, you know, the Holy Spirit specifically, but he was talking about how we gauge and, and guide or, or judge whether something's spiritual or so on and so forth. And he was saying, you know, one time he was driving, uh, he had a long way to drive, he was going to speak someplace and he was on a long road and, he's, and all of a sudden, you know, he's singing and he's praying and all, he's flipping the radio and all of a sudden a Johnny Cash song came on. And all of a sudden he said, the hair went up on the back of my neck and I'm thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be liking this song. It was Johnny Cash, I hear that train coming. And it, it started, the hair started going up on the back of his neck. You know why the hair went up on the back of his neck? Because his father, when he was a little boy, he listened to Johnny Cash. And that sparked a memory, a fond memory of his father, an affection for his father, and the hair went up on the back of his neck. That wasn't Holy Spirit. That was an emotion. Was it wrong? No, I'm not saying that it was wrong. But what I'm saying is it's wrong for us to attach that emotion, that feeling, that experience with God is pleased. Are you there? I mean, otherwise, Michelle, every time I walked into a room, Michelle would have to give God the credit because she gets a little quivery. Hey, Mike, it wasn't that funny. I'm teasing. You know that I'm teasing. I just want to make sure that you're listening. No one else, too. I, I want to say I was so happy on Wednesday, uh, Akita came, and, and Akita's come a couple Wednesdays now. Uh, that's Catherine's youngest uh, son. And uh, we started talking because me, me and Akita have talked over the years, and specifically, you know, the Lord has laid on my heart a few things to give to him. And, you know, and so we were talking about, you know, churches and what we can do to motivate some more of the young people and some more of the African Americans to be more comfortable in this congregation. And the one thing that he said was, was good. I mean, he's told me a, a bunch of times, just keep preaching the truth, Pastor. They, keep need, they need to hear the truth. And we were talking about tradition and the music. And he was saying, because before and still, uh, a lot of the, um, I was told before we need to play more ethnic music. And, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I mean, I, it was more traditionally what you would hear in a black church versus what you hear in uh, the more modern day churches, some of the stuff that we play and we sing to right now. And so he said, you know what? He said, even the music, and he talked about tradition, but he said even in some of the other churches, the, 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 the African-American congregations, the music's changing just a little bit. But he said this, that music, meaning some of the stuff that we're playing, the more modern stuff, the more contemporary praise and worship, he said it is out of the Word of God, and that's what's important, Eddie. Because Eddie was with us when we were speaking. It is out of the Word of God. So look, 
I'm not going to get hung up too much on the music. If it's out of the Word of God, if it lines up with the Word of God, and if it's, and if it's something that brings us into His presence, if it's lining up with the Word of God, if we could agree as a congregation, there's nothing obscene. And when I say obscene, it don't go, I mean that it's not lined up with God. That's obscene. It, it, then, then we could agree upon that. I think we should play more hymns. I think we should play some more of the old stuff. I really do. I, I think we should play some, some of the stuff that we, that we used to sing way back when we started this church. I think we need to have a mix. Because I think that blesses the Lord just as much as the newer stuff blesses the Lord. And believe me, just because it's new and modern and it sounds good and the kids like it, that doesn't mean that it's good. Because I've heard some of those Christian songs where Jesus is not mentioned at all. Now, I'm not saying that they have to name the name of Jesus. I mean, they could be calling Him by one of His other names and that's okay. But when it's all about me, all about the storm that I've been through, the center and the focus of the song is me. Mm, I'm not saying it's all bad, but mm, how's that? I want to be able to connect. Well, see, Pastor, I can relate to that. That's fine. That's good. But that doesn't mean that it's blessing the Lord, and it doesn't mean that we need to sing it in the congregation. Have I covered music okay for y'all? All right? I, I, again, I don't want to be, come across as all legalistic and all this other stuff. I don't want you to, you know, now we're going to sing nothing but hymns in the church and blah, blah, blah. We're going to get a pipe organ and all. No, I'm not saying that. But what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Not a thing. I want to, uh, I want to talk to you now about the messages. We know they're all good here, but not, no, I'm just saying. Listen, the messages. What, what do we expect when we go to church, do we think that if you know, the, the message was something that I walked out of there and I felt good, and it, you know, it's, it, it was a good message, it pumped me up, and I walked out, and I, mean, I was on fire, I, was ready to, I felt like you know, I was ready to face the world that week, and blah, blah, and all that, does that mean that it was pleasing to God? Because I've got to tell you something. I've been to some conferences that had to do with my profession, as a golf course manager. And I've been involved in some conferences and I've heard some really talented speakers share some things and I walked out of there on fire to go back to my golf course and make that thing as good as it could be. Was that godly? No, it had nothing to do with God. I've been... Have any, have any, any of you ever... Uh, you know who Zig Ziglar is? Man, I, I, I went to a couple of his... Uh, uh, speeches or whatever you want to call them. Man, he's, he's an awesome speaker. He's really gifted and stuff. And sometimes he does give credit to God, but generally those speeches are primarily to get you up and at him, to get you gone fire for, for whatever business you're in, trying to, t- you know, trying to get you to, to really have some vim and vigor, some zis boom ba. Amen? But it had nothing to do with God. I'm not saying that they're bad in and of themselves. How about Tony Robbins? Anybody ever listen to Tony Robbins or anything like that? Fa- that's what he's famous for. Being this, you know, this motivator, these motivational speakers, and some of them are good. And from a business standpoint, man, if I owned a big business, I'd love to get these guys in here and get my people motivated. Amen. Right? I, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But just because it works and just because it makes people feel good, does that mean that it pleases God? No. No. 
See, I need to be about pleasing God, not about pleasing men, especially this man right here standing in front of you. I need to be about pleasing God. So now, the messages. I, I, you don't know how much I agonize over these messages. Some of you might because you have experience in it, but you don't know how much. And then when I leave here and I'm thinking, man, you should have saw the faces and people were you know, falling asleep. And I'll even ask my, my relatives sometime, how was the message? And, you know, I've heard a preacher say one time, don't ask your wife how the message was. That's one thing, preaching 101. Don't ask your wife how the message was unless you really want to know. Michelle's always been good about being most, mostly honest with me. Sparing my feelings just a little bit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, some of you are listening right now, but some of you, I don't know. Listen. Listen. I love to use illustrations and things like that to keep the kids involved, and I know how you don't like Scripture. But I want to remind you of something. I'm not going to read it to you. I have it here prepared to read to you, but I just want to remind you. It's, what I'm referring to is going to be in Nehemiah. You can go there. It's in chapter 8. If you'd like to check me out, please do. I, I wish you would. In, in Nehemiah chapter 8, remember, this is when Nehemiah had, uh, he had permission to go back and build the walls around Jerusalem from, because at that time the, he, the Jews were under subjugation of Artaxerxes and Darius and you know, various uh, um, leaders. And so what happened was he had permission to go and build so they're building the walls around Jerusalem and they put the gate up. And now, it was, I think the Bible says, now please forgive me if I'm not 100% accurate. I'm trying to do this from memory and I'm an old person now. Holy Spirit, help me with my memory. I believe there were about 42,000 uh, Jews or Hebrews that were back in the land that they accounted for. About 42,000. And it says that when this day came, I, th- I forgot what month and what day. It was the first day of the seventh month. Again, forgive me if I don't remember accurately. But they were all gathered, it says, as one man by this gate at the city. And Ezra, who was the scribe and the priest, he got up and they wanted him to speak. They wanted him to read out of the Word of God. You know what the Word of God was? The Law of Moses. They found the books. They found the, And he, they wanted him to read out of the Law of Moses. So he began. And this was the first time that I can remember where they had, they talk about there was a platform. The platform. He got up on the platform and he read to all of these Jewish people. All of these Israeli people. And he's reading out of the Law of Moses. And while he's doing that, there were some priests and some, some people in the, uh, among the people who, who were teaching them, who were explaining what it meant. And so they're getting it. And they're, and they're staying there. And they know, what it's, know what the Bible says? The Bible says that those people were affected. They were so affected by the Word of God. Listen, nothing else. It doesn't say Ezra did some uh, 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 backflips and, and Ezra was this dynamic speaker and he had the screen up behind him and, and he made sure they had all of these powerful illustrations. No, all he was doing was reading out of the Law of Moses. And the people got down on their faces. They said, Amen, and got down on their faces before the Lord. Can you imagine coming to a a church, having a church full of people, and the preacher gets up like, like I am in this position right now and just starts reading the Word of God? How many people would come back the next week? Are you with me? 
but that was, that was pleasing to God. And then the people started to get uh, weepy and, and they, were, they wept because they understood we haven't kept this law. This is what God, you know, this is the word of God. And we haven't kept this law. And so they were weeping and, and, the, and the priests and they went out among them, no, 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 this is a great day. This is a holy day. Go home. Eat your food. Eat your sweet. Go home. Enjoy this. Oh, man. Now, right now, is anybody cold in here? Is the air conditioner really blowing? I'm talking about normal people. <laughs> Listen, I got this jacket on. I'm sweating, but I'm getting chills right now. That's Holy Ghost, man. I'm telling you right now, that is the Holy Ghost. Am I judging just because I had a chill? No, I know that I know. Did you understand what was just said right here out of this pulpit? He read the law of Moses. Those people got on their faces before God. And this is a holy thing. They said, this is, don't be upset. Don't be, go home and enjoy this. Go home and enjoy this. This is a holy day. This is an awesome thing. Go home. Have a meal. We're going to go home after this and we're going to have a meal that Eleni helped Michelle make. I'm, so, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, oh, come on now. Because why? Because God has visited us. We're in the presence of Almighty God right now. My brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God. Come on. Does it sound better when I say that? God. Is it more believable? This is the Word of God. Uh. No, of, of course not. No, this is the Word of God. See, this is, this is not just an accidental example that I've given you. This is something that's very relatable. This is, this is Holy Ghost power. Nothing but, listen, nothing but the law. Can you imagine? Hallelujah. But see, they didn't have all the modern stuff that we have. Stuff, that's a, you know, that's a word we learn in seminary speak, you know, stuff. It's technical. You wouldn't understand. No, they, don't, they didn't have all of the comforts and all of the things that we have, all the technologies. So they're hearing it you know, in and of itself and they're receiving it. See, sometimes all of that stuff gets in the way. We're, we're looking for the lights and we're looking for this you know, and, and all of this stuff. And in the middle of the stuff, God gets lost. Because look at God is not in the stuff. God is in your heart. God is His Word. So when we receive His Word, we're receiving God. And it's about that relational thing that He wants to have with us. Man, get that Word inside of you. Let my Spirit reveal it to you. Let me, listen, remember the, 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 the message on light? Man, let my light shine in you. Let my light chase all the darkness away. Receive it. Come on. Receive this Word. Yeah, I know it's not popular right now. I know you've got to fit it into your schedule. But I'm telling you, I will help you make a new schedule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to rearrange things. And you're going to be happy. You're going to have joy in your heart. You're going to understand what love is. Not this stuff that you see paraded before you. Not this phony baloney stuff. Not I love you and then they go ahead and treat you like any, anybody else that they are walking on the planet. No, no. No, the real deal, the committed love, the kind of love that says it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you say, I'm always going to be attached to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's love. That's what God is, and that, that's what God wants you to enjoy with Him. So now let's go back to a more modern church in 1 Corinthians 11. 
17 through 20. Here's what it says. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. He's talking to a church, a group of Christians. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Why? Why does he believe it? Because you're people. (laughs) I guess you didn't find that interesting. (laughs) For there must also be factions among you that those who are proved may be recognized among you. Now watch. Now, if if, If I read that, I would say, well, then that means that's good to have factions among them because then there's going to be the ones that are actually doing right are going to stand out. No, it's not meant that way. The language is such that I really believe in my heart that this is saying is at least if there's only if there's at least one good thing about it, if you do have factions among you, the ones who are really approved are going to stand out. Right? Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, I'm going to give you some context because I, I don't want to keep reading to you because I know you're going to fall asleep. But then, then he goes right into this and he talks about the food that they bring, right? He's talking about the, the covered dishes, the, the plates, the, 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 the stuff that we have. See, they didn't do like we do where, you know, we all bring it, we all share it in common, the church buys a lot of food and we do all this stuff. They would bring their stuff and, you know, their family would provide for their family. And, and, you know, and then the rich people would always have plenty and it was different. And they were using it for an occasion to kind of show off who had what and who had nothing. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying, look, church is not supposed to be about that. Church is supposed to be we're having the Lord's Supper. We're, listen, we're having communing, communion with the Lord. See, it's not about having this meal and having this gathering and having this get-together that speaks to your carnality. It's about us getting together as a congregation and maybe not even having a meal. Maybe we're coming together as a congregation and we're feasting on the Lord. Woo! Right? Say amen. (laughs) No, did you hear that? Because it's not, it's not about just having the meal. It's not about just having this church fellowship. It's about we're getting together. We're gathered together and we're having communion. We're, listen, we're in communion with the Lord, with each other. We're all part of the same body. We're eating the same spiritual food. That's what communion is about. We're remembering together the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and we're gathered together in one body. Man, I'm getting excited. I wish I had, I wish I had a <laughs> congregation in here that could understand what I was saying. Man, this is exciting stuff. See, this, this, this is what church is supposed to be. One body. People, a bunch of different people from different traditions, different ages, different races, different nationalities, getting together but understanding they're in love with Jesus. Therefore, they're in love with each other and they're gathered together and they're enjoying a love feast. As I don't care. This is good preaching. You all can sleep. I don't care. I'm having fun. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, 14, 17. For all the law is fulfilled in this one word, this one word. You shall love your neighbors as you love yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Come on. Let me pause here. I didn't give you that one. It's not their fault. It's mine. I, didn't give, I just gave them maybe a couple scriptures. So listen to me. You hear what he's saying? Well, that doesn't happen in this church. Please. Listen. 
if we offend, or if someone's different, or if someone, you know, there, there, there they go, back down at that altar. Are you serious? Or there, there, there that person is getting all loud. There that person is getting prayed on again. Man, if you're back there thinking that, shame on you. You don't know what these per- people have gone through. I've had people, and I'm going to... I've had people not come to this church because there was somebody in here that they didn't like because they were a little bit loud and boisterous. And I'm thinking to myself, you have got to be kidding me. Or that someone would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord at certain given times. In this. And I'm thinking to myself, and I've said it from this pulpit, you don't know what that person's been through. I do. And if you knew what that person was going through, you would have probably say, hallelujah, amen, with them, because they've been through something, you see, and they've got a reason to be excited about God and what God has done in their lives, and they are not afraid to say it. So just because you are, don't backbite them. Don't, don't look down your face at them. Man, I, I remember God taught me a lesson a long time ago. When we were in a big church, Michelle and I and the kids... Um, we were in a big church, and you know, we were Michelle and I. Whenever we went to a church, we we were we were faithful attenders. I mean, we always went. We we, we participated. If there were Sunday school classes, we did some. But now, listen, we're and there was a guy in the front in the row. I'll never forget him. His name was Brother Glover, and he was loud. And every time the preacher would say something, he was up there, "Amen." Say something, "Hallelujah!" No matter what he said, I'm thinking, man. This guy just wants to be noticed. Right? And I'm thinking, man, I wish this guy would just hush. He's distracting. But then one day I heard a testimony, you see, where that man was in places where you and I don't want to go. That man went to places, he's a born-again Christian, but he went back into the hood and he was ministering to the prostitutes and the drug dealers, you see. And there was one night that he was down there and one of them drug dealers wanted to kill him. And that drug dealer had that car set right on him and he was going to run him down. And that man, Brother Glover, just stood right in the middle and said, in the name of Jesus, that car stopped. Well, he just got chicken. No. No. He had faith in God. He was down there doing God's work and he he just believed. So from that moment on, when I heard that testimony, I was all right with it. I was right along there with him. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Who am I? I don't know what that man been through until that moment. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But yet, you know, we don't like this. We don't like that. This isn't just right. This isn't to my liking. The pastor said this. The pastor said... I've had people tell me. I've had people call me at my house after a sermon and say, why were you preaching at me, basically? I said, who are you? (laughs) Why were you preaching at me? I wasn't. But now, if that applied to you, Maybe to hold, give some credit to God. Maybe God knows where you're at. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're doing. But if that message, if that stepped on your toes, then man, maybe you ought to be going down and repenting right now and thanking God that He's ministering to you. But I've had that happen. Why are y'all quiet? It's happened, it's happened more than once. It's happened several times. Who told you? No one. Well, what about... Man, I'm nobody. God loves you. God is trying to talk to you. He's tried to talk to you when you were in your prayer closet, but you stopped going. He tried to talk to you, and you wouldn't listen. 
So now he's brought somebody stupid like me to say it right to your face. And now you won't hear it and you're going to get mad at me and then go home and tell everybody about how bad that preacher is or that preacher this or that backbite God. Are you with me? No, man. I don't like Sister So, or this one is that, or she's just putting on a show, or that one's just doing this, or this one's just doing that. Did you see what she was wearing? Did you see, did you see that attitude? Did you see, did you see your attitude? Do you see anything that you do? Is it always somebody else? Now, I didn't expect a lot of amens. I did expect for it to be quiet. But see, that's the same thing. That's the same thing that I need to say to me. Am I looking at me? Before I go ahead and I point a critical finger, I point a critical eye, or even if I don't voice it, but I have it on the inside of me, I, be, I need to ask myself that. Okay. Come on now. Hallelujah. God loves you. Loves me too. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let me continue. 16, I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. See, remember, this body, those of us who were studying together Wednesday, it was an awesome study. I had a great time on Wednesday. And so we were talking about what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7, where Paul himself uses him as the example. Before I was a a Christian, when I was just living as a, a, a Pharisee, and I thought I was doing everything right according to the law, I was really zealous about my religion, you know, and I heard this, you should not covet thing, and then I feel, realized that in my heart, I still coveted. Even though I didn't act on it, I still coveted, and then I was like, okay, that's a sin. Now that I'm a born-again Christian, I understand just me having that in my heart, not acting on it, or not voicing it, that was a sin, because it's showing a condition of the heart. So he says, so immediately I see that there's a sin, and then boom, sin was riled up in me, and then the things that I'm told that I, do, I can't do, I shouldn't do, those are the things that I want to do, and the things that I should do or that I want to do, I can't do those things. Why? Because this flesh wants to do those things that it wants to do, and not the things that are the will of God. But he says, thank God. Christ Jesus has delivered me from the law of this flesh, from the rule of this flesh. I'm no longer a slave to sin and the flesh. Amen? Amen. All right. So some of you that were here Wednesday, awesome, wasn't it? All right. Just checking. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus, 13, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this... All will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Listen, I, I, I say that to say this. Look, if we, can, if we can receive the love of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our heart, like he says he will, the love of God, then that will take care of a lot of the stuff. Why are you resisting the love of Jesus. Why, why, why are we doing that? We, you know, we look at the cross and, and it's, that's proof that God loved us. There's no question about it. In this, the, the, the love of God was made known to us, that he died while we were sinners, that he gave his only son so that we might live. Okay, there's no question that Jesus was totally committed to us in that he gave up his life. Even though he didn't have to, he did. He totally gave it up. So now look, why are we resisting that? Well, I'm not, Tony. I went to the foot of the cross and, I, and I, I, I accepted him. Did you now? 
Did you? Remember last week? Romans, I'm sorry, Revelation 12, 11, they, they overcame him by, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. They were willing to give up their lives for Christ, for his testimony, for his witness, right? So if we accept his love and the love of his, his Father has been shed abroad in our hearts, then we should be able to love him and that comes out in the love that we have for each other, then what's the problem? The problem is we're not committed like he was committed. 15.12, John 15.12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You love one another as I have loved you. He showed us how much he loved us. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. I showed you how much a love I have for you. I lay down my life for you. Listen, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See, look, I'm, I'm, I know I'm repeating maybe a little bit from last week, but think about this for a minute. They did not love their lives to the death. They were willing to give up their lives. They, were over, they overcome they had their victory. I want to say it this way, and I'm not taking great license. If I am, somebody stop me. They had their victory in Jesus, right? By his blood and the word of the testimony. And they were willing to give up their lives. Isn't that what it says? Right? Okay, so now I come to a scripture like this. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Okay, he's not asking me to go and spill my blood. He's not asking me to get on a cross. There may be a day when I do have to do something. There might be some kind of sacrifice that I need to make. In fact, I think the Lord has revealed in my heart before I've taken off this earth, I'm going to be persecuted some more for his namesake. I, I, maybe for preaching the gospel. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be persecuted before I leave this earth. I know it. He's already revealed it to me. My brothers and sisters, he's saying, you are my friends if you do what I ask you to do. So that's the sacrifice. That's my witness. Remember that word, martus, martyr? That's my martyrdom. I'm giving up my own life. I'm going to walk according to his commandments, not according to the commandments of this flesh. I'm not going to do the things that are natural in me to do anymore. Why? Because I'm his friend. He poured out his love for me, and I love him. And because I love him and because the love of the Father, I understand the love of God. It's been shed abroad in my heart. I love him. And if I love him, then that means I love you. And if I love you, then that means I don't backbite or gossip. That means I don't act nasty to you. That means I'm committed to you. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave it there. I've got more, but I'm not. Guys, I, 